Hey everybody, uh, Pastor John here. 50 days of preparation. Hope everyone's doing well. It's been a beautiful day today. Um, hope you've had a, a great day, regardless of what you've been doing. Um, hope it was, uh, you got, you know, some chores done and got some things knocked off your list done. Hope you just had a really good day. Sarah and I have been praying for you. We love you. Uh, we've been, you know, busy with this. It, it's a different kind of busy. I don't even know how to explain it. But um, so hearing really good reports from a number of different people that are, are getting Galatians 2.20 in their heart, beginning to declare that every single day, multiple times a day, uh, memorizing it and, and meditating on it, uh, beginning to declare God's word in your heart, Galatians 2.20. I'm hearing tons of reports um, of, of different ones who are just being encouraged. And I'm going to tell you, you know, putting God's word in your mouth is the only real way to put God's word in your life. Um, uh, and I'm just curious, those who are jumping on here and just be thinking about it, that how many of y'all can testify and say that when I, when you started on a regular basis, putting God's word in your mouth and you, you spoke less fear and more faith and you started taking God at his word. Maybe you believed in Jesus for a number of years and you were saved, but just because you're saved doesn't mean you always put God's word in your mouth. So for, for can you testify that when you started putting God's word in your mouth to declare it, to believe it, to confess it, that you saw things change in your life? If you can testify to that, then I'd love you to put a little amen or or he did it for me or or it works, whatever you want to say, because God's word does work. Uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 5. If you have your Bible, um, look at Romans chapter 5. I'm going to pray in just a minute and we're going to get started. Really good to see everybody. Uh, BJ Hale, I see you, man. Um, Rance Tilly, Patty Joe's there, the Etheridge's. Um, I tell you, the Estridges have an amazing story of how God transformed them by the word. And um, I just and I love hearing, BJ, when you shared your stuff about the community service and stuff, man, I just read that a little while ago. That's incredible, man. God, God's just showing stuff to you. He's speaking things to you. Um, and I know you've had times in your life, BJ, when you felt like maybe you weren't hearing God as clearly. We all go through that. I mean, how many of us have felt like, I don't even know if I'm, I'm hearing God, but you, you want to stay consistent. You want to stay determined and have diligence to be in God's word every single day because his sheep, you know, hear him. They know his voice. And so he's speaking. He's always speaking. He's, and so we need to keep a heart and cultivate a heart with open ears to him. And so we're in day 13, I believe, of 50 days of preparation. Uh, many of you have already joined the, the, uh, the Facebook group, and I love seeing your post on there and pray for one another, encourage one another. We pray for all the families, you know, that are, that are there. And I'm telling you, I believe we're, we're going to go through this 50 days of preparation as 40 days of personal renewal um, in the Word of God, which is what we're doing. Uh, and I'm going to explain some of that in a few days and and then we're going to land it with going right up to Pentecost with 10 days of prayer and fasting for a fresh release of God's power. And we're just going to believe for that. Um, and it's very the same process that Jesus took his disciples through from Passover to Pentecost. And, and so we're going to be looking into that. 
So uh, Romans chapter 5, uh, get your Bible open there and let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we speak peace over this house and every house represented. We thank you for your goodness. And Father, over these different requests that have come in over these different families, God, we pray your just fresh oil of grace and your fresh oil of, of peace over them that you would just help them, God. Uh, we thank you that you are their supply, you are their source, you are their redeemer, you are their healer, you are their, their protector, you're the, you're the lifter of their head, and you are their exceedingly great reward. And so, Father, we thank you. And tonight, we pray that you let, you let just your voice leap off the page and transform us by your word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, look in Romans chapter 5 and starting in verse 12, Romans chapter 5 Verse 12, we've been talking about law and, and grace. And so I just want you to look at this. Uh, Romans 5, starting in verse 12. When you got it, say got it. Uh, Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world. Now that's talking about, the one man is talking about the first Adam. Through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. And thus death spread to all men because all have or because all sinned for until the law notice the time frame until the law sin was in the world but sin was not imputed which means like charged to your account was not imputed where there is no law nevertheless death reigned from adam until moses uh, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who is to come. That's talking about the second Adam, who is also the last Adam, which is Jesus Christ. Remember, the second Adam came to redo uh, what the first Adam did. Verse uh, 15, But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, notice it's capital, because this is talking about the second Adam, who is also the last Adam, Jesus Christ, abounds to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came, uh, which came from the offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift, which came from many offenses, resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace. Oh, I love that phrase. The abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through, one, as, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. And so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. Man, that is just incredible. That stuff makes me happy when I when I read those scriptures. And there's a, a ton of other scriptures that, that we'll get in over the next couple of days. So I want to talk to you about the law. And I want you to understand, first of all, according to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, you can just write that down and go look at it later. It says that the law is good if it's used lawfully. So we need to know how to use the law. And in context, we're talking about how God uses the law in order to bring us into grace. And, and being in grace doesn't mean we throw away the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law. Grace is the fulfillment of the law. And, and so we're not talking about, when I say law, we're not talking about like the law, like, uh-oh, the law is here. We, we gotta, we're not talking about the law. We're not talking about, you know, like a civil law and, and, and some ordinance here. We're not talking about Barney Fife. You know, we're not talking about the speed limit. We're not talking, we're talking, we're not talking about a law. We're talking about the law, the law of God. And that word in Hebrew for law is Torah. And it means the instruction, the, uh, the teaching, the instruction, the direction. It's like a doctrine, a teaching that brings direction, the precepts of, of God. So it's the law of God. It's the instruction of God. And, and so it also speaks, because there's different elements to it, it also speaks, so the law of God is, is like the word of God, the instruction of God. But then the first five books of the Bible are, is called the Pentateuch or the law of Moses. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. And so that's called the Pentateuch. Some, some refer to that as the Torah. But in, in actuality, there's three main sections in what we call the Old Testament. And you see this in Luke 24 when Jesus, after he was resurrected, broke off an amazing Bible study to his disciples. And, and in Luke 24, he revealed in the law of Moses, uh, the, the prophets and the Psalms, everything concerning himself. So those, those are the three major sections of the Old Testament, the law of Moses the prophets, and the Psalms. And so uh, Jesus opened up the scriptures. So those three sections are also called the scriptures. The Old Testament is called the scriptures. Uh, the Old Testament is also called in Jesus' day by, by Jewish believers was called the Tanakh, uh, which is basically, like I said, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And it's the exact same that we have in our Old Testament now, just arranged a little differently. Things are arranged, but it's the same content as we have in our Old Testament. So in one sense, the law of God is the instruction of God, the word of God. And then, and then you get a little bit more specific. It's the, it's the law of Moses. Um, and, and what I want you to see about the law, though, is, is the law is actually, when it talks about the law, it's talking about the operating system of righteousness, the operating system, there's an operating system that governs righteousness, the righteousness of God, and that is the law. And we just read that sin was in the world way back when Adam took from a tree, uh, you know, I know he took from a tree and ate, and then all, because of his disobedience um, and eating from that tree, uh, he, you know, all died, he died. And then all died because we were all born from him. So God gave Adam one command. The operating system at that time 
of righteousness was one command. Do not eat from that tree. The day you eat from that tree, you will surely die. So that one command in Genesis that man disobeyed and then sin entered the world through that man's disobedience. So sin entered the world through the man who who disobeyed God at a tree and took the fruit of sin from the tree and released it to all men. Well, the last Adam, he's the second Adam and the last Adam because there's no more coming after him. And that's Jesus the Christ. He came... And, and he wasn't born like you and me. He wasn't born from the contamination of sin that Adam was born from. He was born from above and born through a virgin. And so the last Adam, Jesus, took the sin of the world back to a tree. And, and, and it's just incredible how the gospel plays itself out like that. But, but the law of Moses in all of this is likened unto the command that God gave, the one command, do not eat from that tree. The day you eat from that tree, you will surely die. God was not saying that angry, like Pastor Chris Strong from Victory Church in Metropolis put in comments this week about, about how it was a revelation to him that, that God didn't, didn't say it in, in anger, you know, like, boy, I'm going to kill you if, you if you eat from that tree, that it was a loving father giving a loving instruction to say, son, don't eat from that tree because what's in that tree will kill you. Well, that's the same heart. The same heart that God gave the one command is the same heart that God gave the whole law, the whole operating system that was given to us through Moses and to the people of Israel through Moses. Sin was in the world before the law showed up. But where the law, when, the, when there was no law, sin, even though it was in man, was never imputed or, or charged against man's account. So man was, not, man was not charged with being a sinner because there was no law to charge him. So the law shows up for a purpose and 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 we're going to we're going to get into that so the two men that we just read about in in Romans 5 the two men are the two Adams the first Adam and the second Adam and we just talked about how one brought sin and death into the world through disobedience and then the other the second and the last Adam brought uh through his obedience to God restored what the first Adam did and he brought grace into the world and, and so the question is, which Adam are you of? Which Adam are you? We're all born of the first Adam. So we're all born in sin. But then we can be born again in the second Adam. Now, there's some people who use these scriptures and teach, see, salvation has already been done for everybody. Everybody's already saved. And that's not true. It's only the people that have put their faith in the second Adam. The sacrifice has already been given for the whole world, but that sacrifice is not imputed to them unless they're born again. And Jesus said that himself. So the, the other thing I want you to see is the law, the operating system that that um, the operating system that measures righteousness, the law, uh, it. It, the law brings judgment and condemnation. We just read it in, in Romans 5. The law brings, when the law showed up, it revealed the sin inside of man and it brought judgment and condemnation. That's what it brought. 
So all those who were born under the, the first Adam were, were the law revealed to them that they were guilty, that they were going to be judged, their unrighteousness would be judged, their sin would be judged, and, um, and they were condemned. That's, that's what the word says. Jesus even affirms that himself. He says, those who don't believe in me are already condemned because they're under the law. And, and so then the second Adam, the last Adam, brings in grace, and he brings in grace to bring, to bring justification. He doesn't bring judgment. Jesus said, I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save it. So he brings justification to those who put their faith in him uh, and receive what we call faith righteousness. So grace empowers us to faith righteousness. Not a righteousness by works, but a righteousness by faith. Because under the law, under this operating system of the law, you have to, you have to obey perfectly all the commandments. And if you ever fail at one of them, you fail at all of them. Therefore, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have failed. And so the purpose of the law is not to justify man. The purpose of the law is to condemn men to judgment. That's the purpose of the law. And so uh, one of the things I want you to see you know, in this is... Uh, kind of, uh, I, I'm just going to call this the four major aspects of the law. And this is just how my mind works. Hopefully this will make sense to you. If not, I'll pray for you. Um, but this is how my mind works. The four major aspects of the law. The first one is this, the person, the person, uh, meaning capital P person, God. The law reveals the righteousness of God. The law reveals God. And it's a progressive revelation of who he is. And Jesus, we know, comes to fulfill the law. So he is the ultimate representation, the exact representation of the person of God. But the law, including, including the righteous operating system, uh, shows us, reveals to us the righteousness of God. So it reveals to us the person. But there's, also, there's a problem. So the, the first aspect is the person. The second aspect is the problem. And the problem is the law reveals the righteousness of God, who he is, but it also at the same time reveals the unrighteousness in man. See, sin was already in the world, but inside of man because of the fall of the first Adam. We were all born in sin. But until the law came through Moses, until that operating system came, we didn't realize sin was not imputed against us. It was not charged against us. But once the law came, we realized he's righteous, we're not. And the same operating system that declares he is righteous and proves he is righteous also proves we are not. So the problem is that sin separates man from God and the law reveals the unrighteousness of man. And, and so uh, the, second, the third thing is the punishment. So the law reveals the person of God and his righteousness. The law reveals the problem of man and his unrighteousness. And the law reveals the punishment of for that unrighteousness. 
And that punishment is death. Remember what God told Adam? The day you eat of this, you will surely die. And like we talked about already, many people not understanding the heart of God read that scripture and think what God is saying is, I'm going to kill you because you disobeyed me. Well, that ain't God. That's not the heart of God. That's not an accurate representation of the law and who he is. What he was saying is what's in that tree is going to kill you. So my commandment to you not to eat from the tree is one to give you life, one to protect you, one to give you the best. I'm not trying to take something. Well, he is trying to take something. He's trying to keep you from something. He's trying to keep you from death. And he wants you to walk in his best. And so the operating system of the law reveals the punishment for those who are unrighteous, those who have been born in sin. And that punishment is death. The wages of sin is death. It's death. It's the same thing that God said in the one command, and the same thing is true in the operating system of Moses. And it's for all mankind. And it's the wages of sin is death. And that, that, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you blood. And so what God did with Adam, when Adam and Eve sinned, remember they put the fig leaves over themselves to cover themselves, and then God killed an animal. Many believe it was a lamb to be a blood sacrifice to cover, to clothe Adam and Eve in skin. Many, many scholars believe it was a lamb skin representing the lamb of God. So God provided the first blood sacrifice because because of the, the punishment that something, something that was living had to die, something that was innocent had to die in order for something that is guilty to go free. God is a good God. He's a righteous God. He's a just God. He can't just sweep things under the rug. Any judge, if you walked into a courtroom and they just swept crimes under the rug, you wouldn't love it. You know, unless you got away with something scotch-free, but if if you were the one that was the crime was done against, you wouldn't like that. And so, so the 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 punishment is is death, death, a, a and and really a blood sacrifice. So the law reveals the person of God and His righteousness, the problem of man and His unrighteousness, and it reveals the punishment of that unrighteousness, uh, which is death which is death. And then it reveals the promise. The promise of God that we see in Genesis when God sacrificed the lamb and sacrificed the animal and covered Adam and Eve in animal skin. That God had a plan prophetically all throughout the law of Moses, all throughout the prophets, and all throughout the Psalms. Fulfilling the operating system of the law that the promise is God would send his own son to become the punishment for our sin, to solve the problem of our sin and reconcile us back to the person of God. So Jesus fulfilled the law. He didn't ignore it and do away with it and say, oh, that's Old Testament. I don't know. He fulfilled it. The New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And what he did is he brought us out from under the law into grace so that so that sin, if you, if you by, by grace through faith, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and his substitute death, if 
if you have received him as your Passover lamb and his blood is on the doorpost of your house and you have received the lamb inside of you by grace through faith, then listen to me, listen to me. Sin is no longer imputed against you because you are not under the law. And where there is no law, where there is no law, sin cannot be imputed against you. You are under grace. You are under grace. Jesus took your punishment for your sin. So by grace, through faith, he took your punishment. He solved your problem and he reconciled you back to God. That's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so being in grace, being in grace, he, he pulls us out of the law up into grace, up into grace. So our new starting point And our new standing place is grace, which means my sin no longer is imputed against me. He will confront me about my sin. He will, he will, he will convict me about my sin and, but, but he'll convict me from a place of grace, from a place of reminding me who I am. He's not going to remind me of who I was. He already set me free from that. He's not taking me back to Egypt. There may be times I want to go back because my mindset's not right. But he's not taking me back to Egypt. He's taking me on to the promised land. So between my history, which is Egypt, and my destiny, which is the promised land, in grace, I have to take responsibility to be a steward of the righteousness and the grace that God has given me. It's called faith righteousness. It's not righteousness by works or righteousness under the operating system of the law. It's a righteousness that is received by grace through faith, and it brings you up out of the law, and sin is no longer imputed against you. And now in your relationship with God, when he confronts you about sin, he does it from a place of grace. And God has, God has, by his promise, by his promise, that the promise of the resurrected king, the promise of the Passover lamb. See, that's why Passover is your new beginning. That's why from Passover to Pentecost, you got to be prepared to walk in your new beginning. The, past, the blood of the Passover lamb got you out of Egypt. But now you got to take responsibility to walk in this word of grace, word of truth. Grace always empowers for truth. Grace never excuses you to sin. Never, never. Grace always empowers you for truth. And so that's why we have to take responsibility to walk in obedience in grace to be a good steward of the grace and righteousness that Jesus Christ has given us so that, so that the world can see who he is and that the world will know the promise of God, the promised Passover lamb will solve the problem of punishment. He, he took your punishment. He'll solve the problem of unrighteousness. He became unrighteous so that you could become righteous. And, he'll, and he'll, re, he'll reconcile you, reconnect you back to the Father who loves you so much. Jesus didn't come to judge the world. He came to be judged in its place. Man, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the people listening. And Father, continue to unpack your word. Continue to prepare your people. We thank you, God, that we are crucified with Christ and we no longer live. 
Christ lives in us. And the life that we live in this body, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Thank you, Lord. And may your blessing rest upon your people. In Jesus' name. See you tomorrow at 7.